Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a fright. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode of the show, where tonight we're going to be talking about the Mad Monkeys film pick of the week from 1985, Phenomena, directed by Dario Argento. So before we get into that, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Gold Geek Keith. Phenomena. Hi. I'm here tonight (laughs) because... I am going to speak with you gentlemen about a film that I watched just last night. And I'm just so deep because I'm Jennifer Conley and I'm just so deep at such a young age. (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking Terror. Until she goes ass to ass in Requiem for a Dream, then it's all got. Lost all that. Innocence. Oh, my. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll we'll get we'll get there later. I've got my uh my first time viewing Jennifer Connolly, so and it's uh yep. Well we will get there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure if the Dean was joining us tonight, he's not, but if he was, I'm sure he would say career opportunities, uh that one where he she was stuck in a uh shopping center or whatever it was. I don't know, I saw the movie. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Dean's that, seen that it fifteen was... times. Well, look, that that was actually see, see now you see you're making me blow the load early, bro. You in your mouth, you know that 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 was my first first time seeing Jennifer Connelly as well. I had uh, prior to seeing that movie, I had yet to have seen Labyrinth. You know, I ended up seeing Career oh, Opportunities okay. in in the movie theater. Um, again, not having cable, and for some reason, you know, like Labyrinth was like one of those movies that it was like I'd see it in the video store and be like, oh, I really want to rent this. I really love the Muppets. I really love Jim Henson. And then I'd be like, ooh, look, Friday the 13th, part four. I can watch that for like a thousand <laughs> yep. times. You know, kind of like what I still do today. You know, I just did it more as a kid. Oh, I mean, it's like that meme I posted. You know, I have this DVD that I've had for 20 years. Oh, look, it's on TV. I'll watch it. <laughs> you know, oh, damn it. Now it's, I have to that. watch it. Well, I can't move now. I mean, I can't. It's on TV. I mean, I could put the movie in, but it's on TV. And plus, it's commercial, so I can get up and do whatever I have to do. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm a sucker for those types of movies, especially during Halloween time. Fear Fest, AMC. It's like I've seen these movies a thousand fucking times, but I have to watch them. Because they're on fucking TV. <laughs> You're not going to see it again until next October. So, you got to be there Never when it happens. But... <laughs> but, yes, of course, I've said that the dean, once again, isn't going to be here. He's, he's doing something for school. So he'll be back with us next week, hopefully, unless something else comes up. But we are joined by the psychotic simian, the prince of Moore's day. Yes, the mad monkey. Get funky with the monkey. 
Yes, it's that time again, Pride fans. We're your hosts with the most, bring out the ghost, because it's talking terror time, baby. You, your go-to podcast for horror news and movie reviews, done in our own unique fashion. Well, we are coming to you live every Wednesday night from 9 to 11. But if you can't listen live, you can always check out any of our many episodes on iTunes and Spotify. Now, be as here, support your favorite podcast by liking and subscribing to Talking Terror on both Facebook and Instagram, baby! What's up, Fred family? Hey, monkey. Hi, What's up, Inga? <laughs> My friend in this. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about Inga later on in the show. I'm sure the monkey's very excited to be talking about her, but <laughs> we will move on uh, with what we have to talk about. So, since the Dean isn't here and we get the fuck around because he hates when we talk about comics and wrestling and things like that. Uh, wrestling! We're going to talk first, about wrestling. <laughs> it is your first War Games that you watched on Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, you didn't watch the one yes, WCW. It is. You didn't watch the one NXT. So what did you think about War Games? Yeah, dude. You know, this being the last pay-per-view of 2022, WWE Survivor Series War Games. Where we don't War have games. one ring in a cage. No. We got two rings side by side surrounded by one giant cage. And, yeah, you know, it was pretty fucking cool. I was pretty amped up for it. And the women's was a little bit dry, but they definitely delivered, in my opinion, in the the men's war games there. Just, just cool to see two rings side by side and everyone just throwing each other all over the fucking place. It was lots of fun. <laughs> Love those aerial shots of the ring as well. Uh, yeah, the, the women's, I thought, was a little bit dry. I like the men's better. But that double leg drop off the top of the rope onto the table for Becky Lynch to win. Now that she's fucking back, Maiden Ireland is back better than ever. The man came around, and she's victorious. So I was uh, fucking creaming my pants the entire time because, you know, I'm, I'm yes, a we know. Becky Lynch fan. <laughs> so I was happy to see her win and dominate and back to that man type of character. She had a lot of fun on Monday Night Raw talking to the fans. She actually went to the audience. And just started interviewing people. Is, is she the man <laughs> because she has no ass now? <laughs> no, she lost it because she had a baby, unfortunately. It happens, I guess. She, she worked it right dude, off. She never had one, man. She, 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 oh, she she's did. really cute, really pretty, but she never really had that much of an ass. Well, no, she didn't have like a juicy little bubble, but, you know, she definitely had an ass. You know, just, she lost it. I miss you, Naomi. <laughs> I know she is missed. Um, Ghoul, what did you think about the presentation of War Games? I mean, you know, I, I have seen, just like you, I've seen War Games. You know, I saw it with WCW. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've even gone back, you know, through like when, when, when the WWE Network first like premiered, it was like, oh, cool. You know, that's one of those pay-per-views that, you know, I always, always wanted to see the older you know, the, the pre-NWO days of, like, the war games, you know, because it was one that, like, I always remember reading in, like, Wrestling Illustrated Monthly, you know, and, and those magazines, like, where I would only get my, my information on the NWA and WCW. Um, and, you know, I, I, I always dug them. I loved the, the concept of it. You know, putting the rings together, putting the cage around them, and, and, you know, people just supposedly beating the shit out of each other. Um, I feel like in today's WWE, uh, with with the the whole basically bloodless type of setup, 
I think all cage matches kind of take a major hit. Uh, part of what made cage matches so brutal was the iron, you know, is unforgiving. Yeah. You know, you're fucking bashing yeah. your opponent's head up against that cage, and then you're rubbing his face into that cage. And, you know, look at the crimson mask going down his face. Um, I think with that not being a factor anymore, that just it, 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 it makes them all just way too tame for me. Um, and then on top of it, you know, I remember the Survivor Series from, like, the very beginning. You know, we're talking gobbledygooker days, you know? Like... The survival <laughs> teams of five strive to survive. You know, it's a fucking elimination yeah. match. So to take away, like, you know, if you were going to do a war games thing, cool. Do one war games thing and then do one traditional style Survivor Series match. This was the Survivor Series. And yet we had no Survivor Series match at all. Or if you really wanted to do it, put them all in the cage and then make it an elimination so that you would have, you know, you have the buildup of the, the mismatches, you know, the, the uneven teams as people are entering with the timing. But then as people got eliminated, then you can also have more mismatches. And, you know, maybe, maybe somebody that got teamed up on earlier now gets a chance to have like a three-on-one against the person that was fucking them up earlier in the match. Like there were so many other ways they could have went about this to really combine the Survivor Series with War Games. And I feel like they dropped that opportunity and just they might as well have just called this, you know, WWE's War Games. Like why bother with the Survivor yeah. Series? name if you're not going to actually have it be anything to do with the Survivor Series other than it being in November. Yeah, that's all. And I also found out uh, earlier, uh, like maybe October, November, that Triple H is going to be eliminating the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. So he's just done with it. Okay. He's like, yeah, we'll have matches, but we're not going to have that pay-per-view anymore. And I was like, you know what? I stand by that. We don't need a whole pay-per-view. Just have one match during a pay-per-view. Yeah. The idea of the because, Hell in a Cell is when you have two people that the only way to settle whatever fucking feud it is that they're having is to yeah. actually lock those two motherfuckers, not just in a regular cage, but in a fully 100% sealed cage, and there is no way supposedly out of that thing until a winner is declared. That is the true meaning of a hell in a cell. I always disliked the idea of having a specific pay-per-view just so that we can say, oh, hey, we're going to put some people in a cell, and you know what? These guys all of a sudden have this rivalry that needs to be there. No, let these things build up. Let these, these things flow the way they're supposed to so that, I don't know, it makes it meaningful. Make these matches special again. Yeah, I completely agree. It, it was a one-time thing. I mean, like King of the Ring, you know, Mankind versus Undertaker you know, the classic Hell in a Cell. You know, that was during that pay-per-view. That was a feud, and it worked. Like, they both sold that story, but when you throw two people together, like you said, Jewel, it's just like, yeah, we're having a pay-per-view, so we're going to have to throw these two together. No build-up, no story. It's just, yeah, we're going to go Hell in a Cell. Oh, don't get me wrong, though, because remember, the, the, the Undertaker Mankind Hell in a Cell was kind of put together on the fly. It wasn't like they, mm-hmm. they really had a lot of time to build it. They just kind of were like, hey, we're gonna, this first time was really successful. Let's do this again. What, what can we do and who can we do it with? Um, you know, but everything else was done in, in that way. Kane 
versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Big yep. feud that builds up into a Hell in a Cell match. You know, not even a Hell in a Cell match. Sorry, that, that's right. This, this cage came down. That's how that got involved. See, I'm even mistaken. Yeah, that opened the pay-per-view for that. Yep, that's right. That's right. And, and again, like I, that, I miss first blood matches, too. Except, you know what? Oh, I always man. hated when, like, an accidental cut happened, and then they were like, they ignored it. They were like, oh, it's not enough of blood. <laughs> and it's like, yo, motherfucker's bleeding from the top of his head. Don't you be lying. You're just trying to say he wasn't going to win the match. <laughs> it's a flesh wound. No, it's only a scratch. Yeah. It's only a flesh wound. Like, yeah, no. I, I miss those matches. I miss Inferno matches. Like, yeah. Like, that Attitude Era was such a great time to be alive as a wrestling fan when they had all those unique matches, like Buried Alive, and then the casket matches. Like, yeah, they're just, they were just throwing everything against the wall to see what worked, and everything worked. <laughs> I never had a problem yeah. with those matches. <laughs> At times, they could be fun. Like, see, okay, so, like, I liked the idea of the Inferno match more than the actual execution of the Inferno <laughs> match. Because it's like, all right, it's puppy fire everywhere. <laughs> When you played the WWE video game, though, on, like, PlayStation, mm-hmm. when you would toss the person out of the ring into the inferno, they would go up in flames and fucking turn into, like, ashes. Like, they would burn. Like, oh, the, uh, shit, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they did, yeah. The Acclaim video games, the ones for PlayStation and shit, man, they, uh, I forget what the names of them were, but, like, they, uh, they used more of almost like a Mortal Kombat-esque combat system. So, like, mm-hmm. when you wanted to do, like, a move, you needed to do, like, a left-left-up type of deal and then hit, like, a button to, like, actually have it happen. Um, you know, more in oh, line okay. with, like, fighting games than what we see in, 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 the, in the newer shit. But, yeah, no, the Inferno match, that's how that ended. And that was the first time I had ever, like, seen one. So I'm, like, thinking to myself when I'm going to watch one. I'm like, oh, somebody's going to burn to death. Yes. And then it was like, oh, man, he just, his arm caught on fire for, like, five seconds. That's bullshit. Yeah, like when Kane literally had to put his arm into the fire to catch it on fire so he could run away. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's not catching. Wait, ever. let me put my arm in this fire. <laughs> yeah. Literally had to do that and run away with his arm on fire going up. I guess he lost. I think that's it. Um, oh, man, those SmackDown games are great. Here comes the pain. Just bring it. Like, oh, yeah, they, just, they put everything into those games. The stories are so good. Um, but you know, like you watch like uh, Cactus Jack and McFoley in the Japan wrestling matches where they're actually using C4 and barbed wire and tacks and shows that like they're gonna die. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, they're not just wrestling; they're killing themselves. Like those matches when you see them, just so amazing. Like you can't get away with this anywhere else but Japan. Like seeing Terry Funk lands on a C4 and explodes, and like he's dead. Dude, that that barbed wire death match, you know, getting that uh, on tape, man, like, again, back when mm-hmm. RF video, you know, I know for, for yep. whatever things that that fucking guy did, um, <laughs> RF video was the, was the way to go. You would, you know, make your online order through, like, that sleazy-looking website and fucking... <laughs> You'd get a bunch of videotapes in the mail, and they were all, like, the real deal, legit shit quality, you know, because it was fucking bootlegs. But you were able to get your hands on, you know, fucking Mick Foley's Japanese deathmatch, you know, some of their early fucking day ECW pay-per-views that, you know, you couldn't find anywhere else. Uh, it It was good stuff as far as, you know, being a wrestling fan in that time. 
oh, I remember back in high school getting those tapes from a friend. Where he's like, if you want to see Mick Foley like, really fuck himself up, you got to watch these tapes. I'm like, oh, shit. And then, yeah, the quality is shit. You can't understand anything anybody's saying because they're all in Japanese. But you're just seeing Mick Foley flying into a whole bed of barbed wire and ripping his skin and shit like that, covered in blood. You know, I'm like, man, <laughs> this is fucking legit wrestling. It's like a something. I want to be a wrestler. Sign me up. I want to go to Japan to get fucked up <laughs> and win trophies. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll, I'll tell you what, though. After having an actual run-in with barbed wire, no, I'm good. I, I, I don't, I don't, 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 don't want to do it. Yeah, I, I give no interest. Give him mad fucking props yeah. for uh, for for going through that pain, man. Because you know, just just it fucking up my leg a little bit was uh, was was pretty painful enough. Oh, and he used to wrap it around his arm and shit like that to do arm drops. I was like, oh man, ah. <laughs> we get it. You what? can't feel pain. Oh, yeah, he used to wrap it around his arm, and he would do, you know, dives off the top rope onto his opponent, you know, with the barbed wire wrapped around his arm. Because he had to make a point. You know, I mean, he lost half of his ear in Germany when he was wrestling. He caught it on the ring rope and cut off half of his ear. Yeah, when he does that little move that he would do where he'd get himself, like, his head stuck between the two ropes. Um, Yep. Yeah, when he went to, like, I guess he got, like, pulled out or whatever, and it just, uh, it was just a little bit tighter than, uh, than the ropes in the, uh, the <laughs> yeah. American uh, places. <laughs> Just a little bit. A little bit. Don't look yeah, dizzy here, bro. Zero. <laughs> yeah. And he never found it again. They just threw that piece of his ear into a trash can. So, you know, Nick, you know, forever the hardcore legend. Um, but moving away from wrestling, because we got that out of the way, he's not here, we could do it. Uh, so first order of business is Cocaine Bear. Did you guys check out the trailer? Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to talk about it. Because the dean had been talking about it. I've been talking about it. It was a true story about a bear that found cocaine that had dropped from a plane, ate all the cocaine, and then immediately died from a massive heart attack from eating all that cocaine. So now we get Cocaine Bear, which is a movie where the same thing happens. But in this version, the bear becomes a coke-fueled maniac and starts killing people. So that's the plot of Cocaine Bear. Uh, so, Ghoul, what did you think about the trailer? I mean, yeah, I remember, I remember the story. I remember reading it after the you know, the Dean mentioned it, and uh, mm-hmm. I remember at some point or another hearing that. You know, I remember the Dean talking about them making a making making a movie about it, and uh, yeah. Um, that trailer was fucking phenomenal, man. It looks like it's going to yep. be a damn, like, you know, like when, when he said there's going to be a movie, it's like, okay, you know, like, hell, are they going to, are they going to look to make it fun? Are they going to look to like make it, you know, too silly? You know what? I, I love it. Whatever they're doing with it, it looks like it's going to be a blast. I hope that it's, uh, you know, at first watching the trailer, I'm like, man, I really hope they don't, like, wuss out on, like, the blood and gore, but then there was a point at which I saw, like, human limbs underneath the one bear, yeah. so, <laughs> bear. So, so I'm hoping that that's kind of, like, how it goes, because, yeah, I let out, like, a full-on belly laugh when that fucking thing went shooting up that tree, okay, because that was, like, okay, man, that's, what, that's exactly what I expect the cocaine bear to be doing. Oh, yeah. Bears can't climb trees. Like, of course they can climb trees. <laughs> 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 Lightning fast. 
You know, it's called <laughs> language. <laughs> oh, man. So, <laughs> Monkey, what do you think about Cocaine Bear, the trailer? Man, this thing's just so fucking fun, you know, like on an intentional level, not because Dean made a shitty pick and we got to watch it and hopefully get stoned enough to find it funny. Um, but the <laughs> movie and it intentionally looks funny. And the fact that everything that we see in the trailer and all that kind of shit, this movie is going to be brought to us by Universal. You know, and yeah. I'm like, holy shit. Like, because when you, when you sent it to us and you were like, dude, trailer's out, trailer's out, you know, we're going to watch it. Okay. I was expecting to see, like, full moon features at the top or some shit. No, man. This is like Universal with Universal money to back this shit up and give us a, a, a really well-rendered CGI cocaine bear. And I was like, oh, Universal, I fucking love you. <laughs> Man, I can't, I can't wait good. for this ride at Universal Studios. Cocaine <laughs> <laughs> okay, bear's a ride where you're just chased after by a coke-fueled bear the entire time. <laughs> he brought it. Oh, it was, it was everything I wanted it to be. Like, when, once I hit play, I was like, okay, like, this is it. Walking into that cabin and seeing the bear show up and flatten the door, and then you're just off to the fucking races. Like, Ray Liotta... You know, he has passed away. This is technically his last film. Like, you know what? I kind of like the fact that he went out in Cocaine Bear. <laughs> like, oh, fuck yeah. Final film. Oh, come on. It's kind of Cocaine fitting. Bear. Dude, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. You know, like, I think, I think of Ray Liotta. Like, the first thing that always comes to my head is fucking Goodfellas, you know, and him all strung yep. out on mm-hmm. the coke. They're dry. Like, I, we fucking say the lines all the time around here. We're like, oh, Karen, Karen, do you see it? Do you see it up there? See Karen. that fucking helicopters? They're following me, Karen. You know, like, him bugging <laughs> out. Like, some of those sequences, are some of, it's some of the best fucking acting I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, their, their ability between the two of them to, like, really portray, like, that, that anxiety, that coke-fueled fucking craziness of, like, somebody's out to get you. Somebody's looking. Like, I remember fucking nights banging away lines, man, and then, like, checking my fucking back door. Like, every. Fucking, I don't know, every five minutes thinking I'm seeing something out there. And that's not like, oh, you just peek your head out the window. It's like you're looking out the window, you're like kneeling down a little bit, picking your head up a little bit, looking to the left a little, looking to the right a little. Like, did I just see something move there? No, no, I didn't. Did I? Is there somebody standing there right now? Wait a minute. What the fuck is that? Why is that over there? Is that normally over there? Like, all of these things go through your head, but they go through your head within, like, a fucking second, man. You're moving a mile a minute. So, so again, the way they represented that in the movie was just phenomenal. Um you know, like even even just the whole the idea of like them waiting. You know, like when he he comes in the first time around and like he looks. Oh no, I'm thinking. I'm sorry. Now now I'm really flashing around. See all this cocaine talk got me fucking freaking. You know, Boogie yeah. Nights, like an, another movie oh, which you showed that so well. Yep. Dude, that scene when Dirk comes in with it uh, and he's like, you know, the guy scores and he's like, yeah, all right, you know. And then the next time they show it, they're all strung out looking at it like, where the fuck were you? You know, like come on. That's, that, 
That in the movie showed us a couple of months or a couple of weeks or whatever it is. But the reality is, is that's what happens over the course of a couple of hours. You know, that, that's where you go when you first start versus when you send your buddy out to, like, score at, like, 3 o'clock in the, in the morning in, like, the middle of Freehold Borough. And, like, you're waiting at home hoping you're not going to get a phone call telling you, no, nah, man, I couldn't get any, so I'm heading home. Knowing damn well he probably did score and he's just taking it for himself. Just talking really fast. No, 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 They didn't have any. Oh, it's just, and the fact that they use white lines during the fucking trailer. Oh yeah. Something like a phenomenon. White lines, like you know, this bear is just tearing people apart. I love when they're in the back of the ambulance and the bear's chasing after them, like, oh, drive faster, and it just does that dive right into the back of the ambulance. I was like, this might be my favorite movie, 2023. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's just so good to see it. Like, especially when it uh, hops with the kids and you see the cocaine go out of his nose and just splash (laughs) the kids. I was like, oh, this might be my favorite movie of 2023. It hasn't even happened yet. (laughs) It's insanity, and I'm glad that it's insanity. Um, Just the fact that you see the bear eating a whole package of cocaine in the (laughs) trailer. I don't think you're supposed to do that. <laughs> no, don't swallow that. So, don't swallow that. <laughs> so we we will see that movie uh, February 24th. That movie's coming out, so I will definitely be in the theater to see that one. Like as soon as the the I'm there. And the tagline is "Get in line." Which <laughs> ah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> To have a, a bear made out of cocaine and just says get in line, cocaine bear. <laughs> Might be the greatest of 2023. We'll see. There's a lot of movies coming out. But don't be surprised next year. I'm like, cocaine bear, number one movie of the year for me. <laughs> <laughs> number one new show. Very <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> it's kind of like that uh, Family Guy sketch. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but like a random bear will come out and attack people, and then all of a sudden it will smile at the camera and give two thumbs up. Bear scares. Number one show in Russia. <laughs> no, <laughs> so fucking random. Um, yeah, you can find those on YouTube. They're fucking hilarious. They'll be like, oh, I'm having a great time eating dinner. I'm having fun. All of a sudden a bear will be like, and fucking attack them. Bear scares. Number one show in Russia. In Russia? <laughs> Check it out. Channel 5. <laughs> I was like, I would watch a show like that, Bear Scares. Fucking hey, dude! Are you kidding me, man? I just caught up with like one of those like, uh, somebody shared uh, a YouTube video to me, and I guess it was some dude in Russia who was like walking, I guess, through the fucking woods or whatever, and the guy, I guess, came upon a bear, and you know, maybe maybe it was on his camp, maybe I don't know, whatever the case may be, but you know, I know you're Russian and all. And, and y'all think you're fucking tougher than fucking nails and all that shit. But this idiot decides to, kick, he decides to kick the bear in the ass. <laughs> and, the bear, and then the bear turns around and fucks him the fuck up. Because all you hear is the bear roaring, the fucking thing, like you hear a bunch of rustling, a bunch of noises, the fucking camera that I guess he was wearing on his head goes flying off, and you don't see what the fuck happens to it. So, but you hear him fucking grunting and groaning. So that thing was, it got its hands or its claws on him and uh, and did its business. So, you know what? Don't kick the fucking bear. Yes, yeah, no. That's probably not a good idea. <laughs> um, so, while we're on the topic of drugs and 
all that fun stuff. Uh, an article came out this week that Jonas <laughs> Ackerlin, who directed Words of Chaos, is directing a biopic about G.G. Allen called G.G. Allen Live, Fast, Die. Uh, so if you guys don't know who G.G. Allen is, back in the 80s, he was one of the most controversial punk rockers ever uh, in the New York area because he would go on stage, he would shit in his hand and throw it up the audience, didn't give a fuck about anybody, constantly drunk, constantly high, and eventually died in 1993 of an overdose. And his friends decided it would be fun to just pose with his fucking dead body before they called the police and had him picked up by ambulance. So I'm really excited to see this biopic just because Gigi Allen is such a force. Like, if you've seen his interviews on Geraldo and on Oprah Winfrey, like, he just didn't give a fuck about anything. Like, he just lived the ultimate punk rock lifestyle. Um, and to see Jones Ackerlin doing it, even better, because I, I love Lords of Chaos. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, about the, the Norwegian mm. black metal band Mayhem. It's so good. Yeah. So, like I said, I have it. I've, I've heard of the guy. I know of his, you know, his 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 antics and, and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, you know, just you know, not my not my theme. Not my. Yeah, my theme. I I. I was a fan of Gigi Allen for a couple years, back when I was in high school. Um, I had his album, You'll Never Tame Me, which was Gigi Allen and the Scum Fucks. And he had a song called Bite Me, You Scum. And I fucking love that song because it was just so fucking nasty and so fucking loud. Um, and then he went on to do uh, Murder Dolls and, and everything like that. But yeah, he was just a guy that just didn't give a fuck. Like, I mean, you know, people talk about, you know, Joey Ramone and Johnny Robin and all these other punk people, but they never really talk about Gigi Allen too much. I think he was just too fucking weird. <laughs> I mean, he would wear underwear on stage and shit on people and piss on the stage. I mean, he just... He, that sounds like a really nice guy. That's, that's kind of weird. <laughs> like, they they kind of are like, hey, you know, no, we, 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 don't, we don't like this. Sam, I am? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He, he was, honestly, just a terrible person, but at the same time, uh, I just enjoyed the music because it was just so loud, and I love that type of stuff. I mean, I could listen to Bite It, You Scum Now and just and enjoy it. Or uh, his other song, which is kind of like a country punk song called When I Die, um, which I also really do like. Um, but moving on from that, Metallica also has a new album coming out in 2023 called 72 Seasons. The first no. single music video dropped this week for Lux Eterna. It fucking slaps hard. Like, I put it on the Facebook page for Talking Terror. That fucking song is like they're going back to the thrash metal years, like with Ride the Lightning and Kill Em All and Master of Puppets. I was like, if they're going back there, I like it. Because, like, they're all in their 60s now, but they can still do thrash. So I am very excited for 72 seasons because I love Death Magnetic. Not so much St. Anger. St. Anger was pretty bad. But, you know, they kind of redeem themselves with Death Magnetic. But I don't know. Anytime Metallica has new music, I'm going to listen. One of my favorite bands. I know the Dean's more ACDC, um, more Metallica, but I just love the fact that they're back and they're, they're making thrash again. Sorry, Monkey, I know you don't like it, but I had to bring it up. <laughs> Screaming no you know me, man. I, I'm just not a fan of anything after the Black Album. I mean, uh, you know, but that's just me. The Black Album sucks, though. Like, I hate that. I mean, it's an un- unpopular opinion, but I thought that was their worst album. Like, it was so just, like, we're trying to reach the billboard charts. We're trying to put music on MTV or videos. I hated the Black Album when it came out. Like, I was like, this is just radio singles. Like, this isn't Metallica. Like, this isn't Injustice for All Metallica. This isn't, you know, early days. But 
Well, like I, well I, meant everything like, uh, I meant everything like Black Album and afterwards. You know, it's just, it doesn't really do it for me. No, you know, because then they eventually cut their hair and they did Reload and Load and S&M. Um, you know, they, they just, for me, those first three albums are the best. Like, if you want Metallica at their best yeah. before Kurt Burton died. <laughs> I agree. You have to get those three. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what you and think it's about just, it. You know, I, I want to get your opinion, too. Oh, me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you. Oh, couldn't uh, be. Listen, Who? Couldn't be. <laughs> uh, uh, nah, man, you know what? Like, I uh, am more of a casual uh, Metallica listener. You know what I mean? Uh, mm. Like I've said a thousand times, you know, growing up in New York, it was more about urban music during the uh, during those formulative years for me. Uh, I wasn't Kid really play. introduced to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of, you know what I mean? Like, like fucking hip-hop and R&B and that kind of stuff. Um, so that kind of music really wasn't introduced to me until kind of moving into New Jersey. Um, you know, getting cable, obviously, was a huge thing. You know, having oh, yeah. TV, finally. Yep. Um, so, like, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I can obviously hear the difference between old Metallica, where it's kind of, like, hard, heavy, and you can, you can hear them making a sound that nobody else was making at that time, versus the later albums in which it's more of a, you know, I'm not going to say generic, but it's more of a, a casual, older sound. But as a band and as people, they've matured and changed. So, I mean, their music is just simply reflecting that. It doesn't mean you have to like it. It's just, you know, whatever. They're, if they're happy making what they're making, then fucking more power to them. Uh, I haven't heard they're that happy. song, but I, ha- <laughs> I, I have heard, you know, good things about it. I saw. I haven't seen them live, and I know they're doing a tour uh, this coming summer or whatever it is, where it's uh, they're doing two shows at each venue, and it's a, you know, it's something I'm used to. It's a different set every single show, along with yeah. two different openers as well. Uh, you know, we go to shows, we <laughs> seen, you know, we never get the same set. You know, that's kind of what we dig about the jam band scene. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I guess when you go to concerts like Metallica and like Green Day, shit like that, they pretty much have like a, a static set that they play at every single show. Maybe, maybe they alter one or two or three songs, but for the most part, they play the same shit night after night. Um, so I don't know. I might end up doing the, uh, the the one night, I guess the second night, they're going to do it with, uh, you know, and again, I'm sure there'll be a collective groan when I say this, but they're doing the one night with Five Finger Death Punch, you know, and I don't no. mind those guys, you know, I, exactly. Like I said, there's a collective groan, you know, there's this whole, like I guess the, the real hardcore heavy metal community don't like them. I'm not one of those people. I don't really give a shit. Their songs don't bother me. So um, I, I, I would rather see them than, than, I don't know, I guess Pantera or whatever. But you know what? I haven't seen Pantera either. So maybe I'll go to that night. I don't know. If I do it at all. It depends on what ticket prices are. Yeah. I want to go to Pantera live. Bitch, yeah. You know, but I can't afford fucking <laughs> $20,000 goose open up. And Goose opens up for Metallica. I think Goose is playing for like three fucking hours. And Metallica's be, like, what the fuck are we going to do? What are we going to do? Metallica's all pissed off going, when the fuck are we going to be able to play? They've been playing for four fucking hours, man. They go exactly. on at 2 a.m. That's when they go on. <laughs> 2 a.m. Finally, Metallica, after that set from Goose. It's 2 a.m. Almost everybody's gone home. They, thanks to five of you. They can't stay. <laughs> You'd, they they you'd be surprised. You know, <laughs> they got to take the your back pills at dinner time. 
they're notorious for starting late. <laughs> But they're pretty good at making sure, because the venues these days make sure that you're, you hit your curfew and shut the fuck down. So, you know, they're, they're uh, you know, I don't know, it's like a misnomer that these bands will get on and, like, you know, play for whatever. I mean, sure, every now and again they're going to pop out a fucking 20-minute song or something like that. But, you know, for, for the most part, everything's, everything's wrapped up within, like, a 7- to 10-minute period. Yeah, but I, I've seen Metallica live a couple times. I've seen Pantera. I've seen ACDC. You know, it just it, they always put on a good show. So, you know, I, I'm hoping I get to see them when they come tour next year uh, because they just put on one hell of a show. And I love the fact that they were brought back to life by Stranger Things. Like, there's fucking people out there who never heard Metallica before. I'm like, how? How do you live in a world where you never heard Metallica before? Like, this is awesome. Like, thank you for living in a world where we have people like Bad Bunny and shit like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, but like I, yeah, like yeah. I've always said, I kind of wish I could be that kid that never heard Metallica before and go back to them and be like, holy shit, like this is fucking metal. <laughs> I've been so used to it that I know it, but to see these Stranger Things fans going, oh my god, Metallica's really good. Yeah, they're fucking great. They have a lot of albums. Like, you know, explore them. You know, they change their yeah. sound and they're all different in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, well, my youngest co-workers, you know, had never heard the album before until Stranger Things, and they were like, oh, my God, this sounded so good. I was like, let me give you some albums to listen to. <laughs> you know. I think the monkey, think the monkey got in the bath. <laughs> what the hell? Where are you, monkey? Did you go underground? What are you talking about? Huh? There you it go. sounded like you were underground you're... for like a five. There we go. Oh, oh, Okay. <laughs> Sorry, hey, my mic like was... buried away. Uh-huh. Oh, there we go. Um, <laughs> but, so, yeah, like I was saying, I, I did have coworkers yeah. that had never heard Metallica before until Stranger Things, and I was, you know, again, thrown off, and I was just like, dude, let me give you the first three albums and check them out, man. So just, just to hear yeah. the difference between Dave Mustaine and James Hetfield and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, just hear the thrash and Cliff Burton on bass. You know, I mean, one of the greatest bassists, I think, you know, in rock. Um, died far too young. Um, but nothing against Jason Newstead or Rob Trujillo, but, yeah, Cliff Burton back in the day, guy could fucking play. And the fucking headbanging that he would do, I'm like, dude, how does his head not fly off? <laughs> Just see him fucking headbanging for like five minutes in the song, even during the breakdown of Master of Puppets. You're still fucking going. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Your head's going to fucking come off. Like, he was just that type of a guy, but... Um, moving on from that, because we do have the Christmas season coming upon us. Tomorrow is the first, of course, so we're going into it. So A24 is hoping to start a new family tradition with the Hereditary Gingerbread Treehouse Kit, because we all know how much we love Hereditary. Um, it's a real product that you can have shipped to your home in time for Christmas. It's selling for 62 bucks. The Hereditary Gingerbread Treehouse Kit includes a cast iron mold plate along with a plastic treehouse base, recipe card, instruction booklet, and a tea light to illuminate your treehouse at night. The cast iron base builds one complete treehouse, a 24 notes, as well as a gingerbread Peter, pieman, and worshippers. Made from food-safe plastic, the base includes a forest floor textured base plate, four birch logs, a platform, and a ladder. So you can grab yours over at A24's website <clears throat> and expect it by December 16, 2022. And I put it up on the Tom Terror website. It looks fucking cool, but and the movie was shit. 
So, and, and what's the low low? And what's the low low price for this overpriced piece of shit? <laughs> sixty two dollars. That's all. That's all. Sixty two bucks. Oh my what? god. <laughs> Insanity. Sixty two dollars for a fucking gingerbread house. Nope. <laughs> If you're a fan of the movie and that's mm. what you want to spend money on, then you know what? I'm not I'm not gonna mock them for it. It's it's just not for me. Um I mean, A, you know, that, that movie I still am like like in a weird nope. like position where I just don't like it's one of those where like I think about that movie, right? And I'm like I didn't like that movie. And that, that's, in my head, how I feel about it. I'm like, yeah, I didn't like that movie. But then when I try to figure out what I didn't like about that movie, I can't remember for the life of me what it is that I didn't like. Obviously, besides, like, Tony Collette, who I don't like because she just kind of annoys me in general. Um, oh, yeah. I think it was really – it was the uncomfortableness of the film as a whole that I didn't like. But like I say all the time about movies, isn't that, like, the purpose? If it elicited a feeling – then it did something right. So it's like, it's, it's one of those where I want to get back. I want to actually watch it again. But then I'm like, fuck, do I really want to watch Hereditary again? No. Nope. nope. Me, <laughs> me, 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 me. It, it's, it's the only good part about that movie was the telephone pole. <laughs> no. Or the fact that her brother was just really just fucking chill about her dead body being in the back seat. He's like, well, time to go to bed. <laughs> Wet my pants taking this out in the morning. What are you I think that's doing? called shock. Sure, shock. <laughs> or just, I'm going to go to bed while my dead sister's body is in the backseat. Or how the family had no idea that their mother, their grandmother was a part of the cult. That fucking third act where she's like, oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. How do you not know this? <laughs> oh, wow, look at all these photos. Grandma's having a great time with this cult. That's so fucking weird. <laughs> why is why is there all these naked pictures of grandma with all these strange men that aren't grandpa? <laughs> yeah, you know, like her titties are out and she's just having a great time. Like I thought she was going thought she was going to bingo. Apparently I not. Apparently she's just getting her titties sucked. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was so fucking weird. But so yeah, I mean if you're a fan of it and you like it, well six and two blocks later, you could have a, a gingerbread tea house. Um, you know, tea light house, I should say, because it comes with a tea light. So you can light it up and like, ooh, spooky. You know, they should put her fucking head at the bottom of the base of that. <laughs> lying at the, the ladder. You know, I'll be like, all right, that's cool. should be the tree topper. There should be a Christmas tree in it, and the head is at the top of the fucking tree, man. That's what they should do. A24 should sell a hereditary Christmas tree where her head's the fucking tree topper. It's like for 100 bucks, take the, the hereditary tree home. With her head as a tree topper, and it lights up. You gotta have it light up. So, <laughs> just for that added effect. Um, we kind of need that. Have, you know, uh, now that we're talking about that, we need that for Jason's mother. Oh, that would be so fucking perfect. Have, a, have her head right at the top. <laughs> you know, and then have to have a bunch of hockey masks and machetes and shit like that. I, I would buy that. And then this is the coolest fucking Christmas tree ever. Oh, Pamela, oh, Pamela. <laughs> this present is for mom. Okay, Jason. <laughs> um, so Tim Burton's live action Wednesday series is dropped on Netflix. Have either of you guys checked it out yet? 
I have one more episode to go. All right. Are you liking it? I have made it through about halfway of the first episode. Um, And then I forgot that I didn't finish the first episode. So I um, had started the second episode and was like, what the fuck is going on? Why are they like saying these things? Because I don't remember any of that happening. And that's when I realized I was on the wrong like profile name and that I had only Uh-oh. gone through about half of that first episode. So, yeah, I, I, I'm digging it so far. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, Monkey, because I'm just going to be quick. I, I am liking what I'm seeing so far. I will finish it. I just uh, I just haven't yet. So, Monkey, go away. You, you, you've gone further into it. So. Uh, I was just going to say that the diva is enjoying it way more than I am. I'm just finding this as a discombobulated uh, Hogwarts meets Riverdale bull- bullshit. I'm not happy with the series in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't watched any of it, and I probably won't just because I don't like Jenny Ortega for some reason. I just don't like her. I know that apparently she's like the, now the sweetheart of the horror community. I just don't care for her. Um, but I did see a clip on Netflix's website of her dancing in a scene, and I was like, all right, this is why I'm never going to watch this. I was like, this is terrible. Like, you can't have a, a dance scene featuring the cramps, and she's just fucking spasming all over the dance floor. I was like, I don't okay. care for this, so uh, I'm never going to watch it. Why can't you, though? All right, I am going to defend that scene, though, because, yes, she can, because the, the series, in the original series, she, she loved to dance. Uh, so I know. I'm not. I'm not, so, I'm not saying, her, And I automatically think of her parents with both of them. Yes. With all of their dancing and all of their romancing, it would easily fall into her character to be emulating or, in some weird way, mocking them because that's just kind of who Wednesday is at times. I I am not saying anything against the character of Wednesday Adams. I am saying I just couldn't stand looking at Jenny Ortega's dead fucking big eyes the entire time. I was like, I just, uh, ooh, nope, nope, I'm good. Nope, this isn't good. <laughs> I was like, I just I couldn't stand her face. You know me? I, just I said, like that pouty uh, mouth. <laughs> it's just, I didn't like it. I was like, this is just, no. I was like, just looking at her dead face the entire time doing this dance no, I'm good. Like, you know, I like Wednesday Adams. I know she dances. I know her parents dance, but I just don't like Jenny Ortega. And I think that's a big part of it. Um, doesn't really but I thought you either li- way. I, I thought you liked Jenna in X, though. Because she died. Because she had a cool best scene. <laughs> she finally Wait got shot with a shotgun right to the face. <clears throat> we covered it on the show. It's an episode. No, it's just the fact that her whiny little ass got shot to death by a shotgun. You know, I was like, that was great. I loved it. You know, even in Scream 5, I'm like, when is she going to die? Nope, she's surviving. Nope, she's living. Oh, there she is at the end. So she's going to make Why are you spoiling that like, movie, man? We covered it on the show. It's an episode. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to our thoughts. Like, at this point, if you haven't seen either of those, you probably aren't a fan of those movies. <laughs> they came out <laughs> early this year. Or our show. It's like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Like they covered X weird. I've never heard that episode, but yeah. And Scream Five. Um, but the reason I brought it up is because apparently Wednesday has overtaken Stranger Things with a record-breaking debut week of 341.23 million hours viewed. Stranger Things has originally held the record 
with 335 million hours clocked. Squid Game, however, remains the all-time record holder for those playing at well, home, yeah. with 571.8 <laughs> million hours viewed during their best week. So Squid Games is still the king on Netflix, but yeah. Wednesday just took out Stranger Things. And I was like, ah, I don't like that. <laughs> but it's fine. Like, I, just, I just I have no interest in watching it. Uh, I was like, I, I just, no, I'm good. So people like it, that's great. I just have no interest. I just, I mean, how is fucking Luis Guzman? Is he worth watching, Monkey, since you've gone into it a little farther? Uh, who? Luis Guzman <laughs> plays Gomez. Like, is he at least worth watching? Like, you know, with, with uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones? Or I, like I really don't want to. I really don't want to give any spoilers because the ghoul hasn't watched it. So, well, I'm not talking about to say whether or not you liked it. Like, you know, is it good? Is it bad? Like, you know. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. It's like we're going really he- close to right, spoiler Mark, territory Mark, here. And okay, here, okay, hold on. <laughs> okay, before you go into spoiler territory, right? Do you think you can say whatever? No, you I'm saying say to we within, sh- Can you say it to him within I'm saying we should. Yep, 20 seconds. Okay, 20 seconds. I'm going to take my headphones off for 20 seconds, okay? Okay, all right. I was not happy with any casting of any of Adam's family in this series at all. (laughs) There. Just the whole thing. Okay, there you go. So I get it. Yeah, no, it's fine. You know, so, yeah, that's all I wanted to know. No spoilers for the show whatsoever, but whether or not you were happy with the casting. I should have phrased it that way. And, I, and I'm back. Yep, yep. you're back. So, All right. That's it. Quickly ended that. Um, so Tubi, as we all know, is a great service that's free, and they have a ton yes. of horror movies on there. So if you're looking for they're good horror movies, so good. They, okay. so well, many, and okay, they're free, on. you got a couple you of ads. Good yeah. horror movies. Good, okay, is, is the variable there. They have a lot of horror movies on there. I'm not going to say they have yeah. a lot of good ones. I'm going to say they have a lot. Okay. So if you are oh, looking no, like, for yeah. a lot of those 80s and 90s cheese horror films or wonderful things like the Evil Bong series and other no, uh, yeah. Charles Band <laughs> types of films, Tubi is your place to go. Oh, yeah, they have a lot Good of point. 70s horror on there, too. <laughs> a lot of the Italian horror movies, which I love. So I found a lot of good stuff on Tubi. Um, but like you said, it's kind of just based on what you like, like the Google said. You might find some really good ones on there. You might find some stinkers. Um, but I found out in October that Tubi filmed an original movie, but it was a remake of 1980s Terror Train starring Jimmy Lee Curtis. What? I was like, okay, that's kind of cool, I guess. I mean, I don't know, like the trailer didn't really sell me. I watched it the other day, and it's literally a shot-for-shot remake of the original, kind of like Gus Van Sant did with Psycho, except it has a little twist at the end where it felt so forced. I was like, okay. So they, they do the whole thing, and then they throw a Friday the 13th kind of twist on it at the end. I'm like, okay, fine. I didn't like it. I thought it was just so bad. Like, it was just watch the original. Train if you want to watch a good slasher movie. Um, but then they announced just this week that Tubi already made a sequel to the remake, Terror Train 2, which is going to release on December 31st of this year. And the plot revolves around New Year's Eve with the survivors of Terror Train going back onto a train for a New Year's Eve party. 
<clears throat> I was like, okay. Like, this is they're all white, aren't they? No, it's got to be an all. It's got to be. It's got to be an all white cast. Because only no, because only white, only only white college students would be that fucking stupid. Well, <laughs> you know, we're making a horror movies. Because the, the Terror Train the remake that came out in October, uh, there were a lot of people of color in that movie, which I actually appreciated. And the people that are remaining are people of color. So, not an old white movie, monkey. But you made an assumption, and I caught you on it. <laughs> yeah, monkey, yeah. you fucking um, racist. <laughs> Stupid white people. Just making assumptions. <laughs> but it's just at the same time, people like, it's colonizer. not needed. But, yeah, I mean, if you want to watch it, it's on there, but... I just I can't believe how fast they fucking did those. Uh, but because the the one dropped in October, now all of a sudden they're dropping part two in December of this year on New Year's Eve. I'm like, okay, well they obviously filmed them back to back, but they're just they're not good. So if you want to check out the remake, just go in with an open mind. I tried to, but then all of a sudden I was like, well wait a second, this is exactly like the original, like the magician on the train, you know, the kid that gets fucked over at the beginning. And now all of a sudden, is he killing people? The costume change. Like, they didn't really do anything different until the end when they're like, oh, twist. And I was like, all right, you guys aren't M. Night Shyamalan. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't throw me a twist when there's five fucking minutes remaining in the movie, and all of a sudden you're like, twist. No, don't do that. Because that's not earned. Like, that's just, what are you doing? Like, you know, I was like, no. What a twist. It comes out of, it comes out of nowhere, and you're like, okay, that's cool. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> I had to rewind it. And I was like, wait a second. What? Wait, what? And I was like, oh. Did they really wow. just okay, go there? The, <laughs> I was just astounded. Like, I literally had to rewind it. I'm like, wait, did I, did I make that up? I was like, no, I didn't. I actually put that twist. It was Colonel Mustard so, with the candlestick in the bathroom. It was kind of like that. Where it was like, dude, you know everything. You know everything's been set up. And then they're like, oh, no, no, no. We're not going completely shot by shot. We got this twist. I'm like, but you didn't earn that. You didn't earn that fucking with five minutes to go. And all of a sudden you're like, this is how we're really going to go with it. And it's like, ah, all right, fine. Like, that's a, I don't know. <laughs> so I, I don't know where they could possibly go with a sequel. It's fine. I'll probably end up watching it because I'm a sucker for these seven movies. And I'll be like, I fucking hated it because I watched it. Because <laughs> you a bitch for punishment, man. <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment. Yeah. I just, you're just yeah. like, beat me, mama, beat me. And make me crash the mole. <laughs> no, that was like my week last week when I was off from work, and I literally watched like eight movies over the course of the week because I wanted to complete my end of year list. I'm like, I'm punishing myself, dude. I was like, this hurts. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some not-so-good movies. You know, everybody's <laughs> raving about them, and I'm like, this isn't very good. I was like, no. But I'm getting there. I'm getting there. My list is almost done. And I was like, no, I got like three more movies. I'm like, no, fuck it. Fuck it. Just do it another time. Give yourself a break, man. Like, I was like, oh, I'm crashing hard. I was like, this is too much. But So I'm, I'm still working on my year list. I still have three more movies to go. Pray for me. <laughs> um, so uh, we've been talking recently about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game that's going to be coming out. Um, you know, Gun Media is behind it. They're working on it. We've seen the trailers. It looks really good. Um, while we wait for that, there is an upcoming Texas Chainsaw Massacre board game, uh, which is coming courtesy of Trick or Treat Studios for $59.95. The game is for one to four players, and playtime is about 60 minutes. The game revolves around <laughs> the fighter's van running out of gas, 
that we've that means three hours. Yeah. <laughs> so for me anyway, because I don't understand how board games work. Uh, so the player's van runs out of gas, leaving so stranded and at the mercy of the slaughter family. Work together and push your luck for escape. The game is co-op, so all players will win or lose as a group. Pull tokens from a grotesque bag to take actions, but be careful. Pulling too many could antagonize a slaughter family. And I just, I don't like the fact that they changed the name from Sawyer to Slaughter. I, I don't get it. You know, they obviously had some rights issues maybe, but it's no say, longer the Sawyer, it's now the Slaughter. Right to make the game, is that what it is? Like, what's the actual they probably name don't. of this board game? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre game. So it's based off the video game, according to Trick or Treat Studios. Like, they, they took the video game, they turned it into a board game, because in the video game, they're called the Slaughter Family. So I would oh. have to imagine they're taking this off the video game and making it into a board game that you could play, because I was like, Slaughter, that's the video game family. But I was like, you can't, I, I guess for some reason, Sawyer probably is copyrighted somewhere along the way. But I was like, Sawyer is such a better fucking name. And slaughter, like yeah, I don't know. Sergeant Slaughter is gonna come out. This is big, huge shit. Oh yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to piss off the slaughter family because you got Sergeant Slaughter coming out with a fucking chainsaw and American flag and shit. Give his fucking whistle. Get down and give me twenty, maggot. Oh shit, Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, uh, that would be a great twist in that game. Um, so that's coming out via Trick or Treat Studios. Um, there's been a lot of fan films recently uh, for Friday the 13th. One of them is the Never Hike Alone movies that have been a huge hit for people, um, where the, the company has managed to get some people from the Friday the 13th series to be in the movies themselves. I'm not really a big fan of fan films. I mean, they're fine. They're good. Uh, if you're not going to get an official sequel, watch the fan films. But apparently there's news coming out that the company behind Never Hike Alone are stepping into Nightmare on Elm Street territory, and they have a new one coming out calling Dylan's New Nightmare. Not my nephew, but Dylan Porter from <laughs> A New Nightmare. <laughs> so, no, your nephew, your nephew's nightmare. You mean Matty G's new nightmare. Welcome to prime time, Matty G. No! It's not like that. So apparently Dylan's new nightmare is going to be focusing on Dylan Porter, who was Heather Langenkamp's son in that movie, played by Miko Hughes. Miko Hughes is reprising the role of Dylan Porter for this fan film with Dave McRae playing Freddy. So it's going to revolve around Dylan apparently has a new nightmare, and that's what we're going to get. But it was kind of cool to see Miko Hughes kind of reprising that role for a fan film because I completely forgot about him after the 90s. I forgot he existed. (laughs) You know what's really funny? Is, you know, during, like, when Xbox has, like, those four ninety nine sales and shit like that, like, every Tuesday, like, the entire list of, of movies that they sell for, like, four ninety nine gets refreshed. And, you know, for the most mm-hmm. part, they're, normally they're films that I already own. 
uh, which sucks because it means like I bought it at full price, and then they were like, oh, hey, you know what? The best thing to do to put on sale right now is what this asshole bought full price like a month ago. Um, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah they're, 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 they're totally using your library. <laughs> I swear to God they do, man, because it's like every time I see them put on like a major sale, I'm like, why the fuck do I have 95% of the movies that you guys are putting on sale? Um, but, but anyway, one of the films that they put up, you know, it was like one I bought on a whim. I'm like, oh, four ninety nine. It's gonna be some cheesy like early two thousands fucking American Pie esque like comedy. And you know, like I, I'm always a sucker for those, whether they're like really good or not. Like I like put it this way, I, I'm like the kind of person that likes like the made for video like American Pie films too, because they're just so stupid. Like I can put them on as background noise and just get a giggle out of some oh, yeah. of the stuff. Yep. So, so Dwight, they, they are I'm fun. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Dwight, yeah. man. I think Dwight's fucking yeah. great. Yeah. Um, but one of the movies that I got was a movie called Surf School, which was like this okay. completely cheesy, like, it almost tries to rip off Airborne, in which, like, they move this kid to, like, another location in which he's going to school and... Like, they all want to go to a trip to Costa Rica. So somehow, the way you get to Costa Rica is by entering a surfing competition, which is only taking place in Costa Rica. So, like, they end up going there, and they get there for the very same surf competition that they needed to win in order to go there. So, like, the whole plot of the movie makes zero (laughs) sense whatsoever. But there's also, like, this goth chick in it, and she's really fucking funny. And and ultimately, the main point of all of this is Miko fucking used. Like, I'm looking at this one character. It's one of the main characters. I'm going, where the fuck do I know this kid from? And sure as shit, it's Miko used. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. This kid is in other movies. I'm like, it's Gage. And he's alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I met him once at a horror con back in 2005, and he's, like, literally four feet tall. So, like, I felt so bad because I'm, like, towering over him, like, yeah, you were the shit in Pet Cemetery, dude. He's like, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm like, you know, I was like, do you need a little step ladder to take a picture of me? No, no, it's all right. It's, it's fine. And, he was, yeah, and it's just the most absurd fucking picture. Oh, nice. Yeah, we met him at one of the uh, the NJ Horror Cons. I think it was, like, the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's, he's, you know, small in stature. Um, yeah. Yep. And that, that's, yeah, but incredibly that's, nice. Yeah. You know, nice I mean, that's nice a, kid. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, incredibly nice guy, incredibly fun. So I'm, I'm glad that he's having a resurgence with Dylan's new nightmare um, and wish him the best of luck in all his endeavors. Um but with that being said, I want to get into the movie for tonight, which is the Mad Monkey's film pick of the week, Phenomena, from 1985, directed by Dario Argento. You know what to do, Monkey. Give us a synopsis of what you thought, and we'll kick this thing off. All right, fellas. This is the story of Jennifer, oddly enough, played by an actress named Jennifer, but a young girl who has just moved to Switzerland. Little does she know that she's not only transferring in the middle of the school year, but she's also transferring in the middle of a string of murders by a serial killer. But what her class doesn't know is that she may also have telepathic abilities that allow her to communicate with the world of insects. An overlooked world that just may be the key to unlocking the shocking phenomena that is sweeping across Switzerland. All right. I picked this movie just because my son Ian and I watched this 
uh, last time he came up to visit, because being the big video game nerd that he is, he told me, he was t- telling me all about this old school PlayStation game from back in the day called Clock Tower. And he, and he was like, this, you know, he was like, all I know is this uh, game is somehow based on an Argento movie, you know, and then we started looking up the shit, and yeah, you know, we were like, well, we have to check out this movie, and my son, who is not, like, you know, a horror fan like we are, you know, was like, okay, sure. So, you know, so I was like, Argento in a straight-up Japanese PlayStation 1 game? Yeah. <laughs> um, but like a lot of Argento films, I found this movie <laughs> really quite relaxing. To me, he just has a really calm way with his shooting and storytelling until he decides to crank it up and then just gets in your face with it. <laughs> and it just makes you uncomfortable as well. Um, there were even some scenes in this uh, movie with the bugs that, like, you know, actually made my skin crawl. Like, there were some scenes where it's like, yeah, I was just like, ah, ha, ha, ha. You know, so, you know, very cool. My only complaint about this movie was it's Dario. It's 1985. Everybody's making music videos. So then all of a sudden he thinks he can try to support a five of them into this movie and turn and somehow turn these, you know, turn this movie into, you know, these little vignettes. And it's like the scenes didn't even go with the music. So here we go having quiet, calm room scenes. And then you know what this quiet room needs? Some fucking maiden. Really, dude? That's a very, very bad Dario. Go sit in the corner with the bitchy monkey that bites off fingers and the pig boys. Just go away with the Iron Maiden. Leave the leave the metal out of the movie. But yeah, overall, fun uh, horror movie for me. Dang, cue the Motorhead. <laughs> so, cool. What do you think about Phenomena? Oh. Uh, so, you know, this is one of those movies that, you know, like like we've spoken about so many times, and I'm like a broken record, I'm realizing. Um, <laughs> no wonder people want to kill me half the time. Uh, you know, this is one that I saw in the video store, like just total memory of the box art, you know, seeing her there and like her hand out, the bugs flying off of it and always wondering like, hey, you know, should I, should I rent this movie? And then, you know, Ooh, no, let's, uh, let's fucking rent dream warriors again, you know, or, or, or something else that I've seen <laughs> fucking, you know, 56 times. Um, you know, so, so I, I, I had no knowledge of, you know, Dario Argento or, or anything as far as, like, who made this movie. I, I really, you know what, if you would have told, like, I had no idea that this was a Dario Argento movie for all these years. You know, I always thought of him as, you know, just uh, the, the, the other types of films that he makes, you know, the Chalos. Um, mm-hmm. You know, man, I want to like this movie. I do. There's a lot of things about this movie that I want to enjoy. I just find it terribly hard to. Um, Some of the performances are just like, they're horrific. And the storyline is just, it's it's like a, a mess of things. And Connolly, who I am a big fan of, I love Jennifer Connolly. She's extremely cute in this fucking movie. But, man, is that girl, like, you know, like, there is just no inkling of the actress that she's going to become in this movie. Nope. She just kind of comes (laughs) off as, like, a total brat, kind 
of annoying and just like, yeah, I would very much not want you to be on screen anymore. Other than like, yeah, I can mute it. It's like watching the movie Honey, which has a Alba. I can mute the movie and be like, mm-hmm. look at that. You know, and, and granted, look, the girl's 15 years old in this or, or, or 14 or 15. But again, you can see that she's, she's a very pretty girl and she's going to be a very pretty woman, which we'll see in a few more years. You know, I know a year after this, she does Labyrinth. Um, that I know kind of pushes her into the American audience. Um, and then, yeah, like yeah. I said, for me, my, my, my first viewing of, of Jennifer Connelly was as career opportunities and just that image of her riding that fucking horse, uh, <laughs> will just always forever be like burned into my memory. Um, <laughs> so, so the, so the movie has like certain redeeming qualities, but the, the soundtrack isn't one of them either, man. I, 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 yeah, no. So, so I'm glad I finally saw this movie. That, that much I will say. That's great. Um, yeah, I had seen it many years ago on VHS when it was known by Creepers, because uh, that was when it was released by New Line Cinema on VHS. And then later I got to see Phenomena as it was supposed to be presented as such, uh, including the heavy metal intervals that we get, because that was when Dario was experimenting with heavy metal music. Um, I always think that Dario's greatest work was in the 70s when he did his jellos. Like, they are classic. You could give any of them a shot. They are good. Um, so Phenomena, like, he, he tried to give it a shot, tried to make it work. Is it a bad movie? No. I actually enjoy Phenomena especially with Donald Pleasance playing McGregor, where he goes in and out of that Scottish accent quite often. Where he's Scottish <laughs> one second and British a second. Yeah, he does. He can't really decide what he's trying to do. He's the that he did during Halloween, so, so we know he, he yep. just, just, just drinking on set. You know, that, that's what that's called. No, that's all it was, <laughs> as, a, as a paraplegic. Um, and Daria Nicolati, who, who plays Bruckner in this movie for Bruckner, this was the last movie that she was willing to do with Argento because she didn't like the fact that he portrayed paraplegics in a weird way. I don't really know why, because it didn't seem like he did, but she was like, nope, don't like that, so I'm never going to work with him again. So they never worked again after 85. Um, yeah, she it seems like, like he was an empowering character. Yeah. yeah, she just, for some reason, didn't like the fact that he portrayed him that way, like, you know, seeming so helpless. So she just kind of moved on from that. But again, Dario really didn't know what he was doing either because at first he said, I want to make a movie because I saw these articles about insects helping out police solve crimes. But then again, I kind of want to make this movie about how the Nazis might have won World War II. Um, and this is the world we're living in where the Nazis won. And if you watch the movie, you'll see that it plays out that way. I was like, no, Dario, I never saw that once. Like, <laughs> I never saw a world where the Nazis where, won. And that's the movie. Where that the fuck? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's an article I, where I, you I, talked about. I, it. I never picked this up from the movie at all. Do you want to elaborate on this more? Or no. <laughs> no. Well, that's exactly what he said. Like he said that when he was writing it, he wanted to make it seem like the Nazis had won the war, and we're watching this world in which the Nazis had claimed victory over World War II. And he goes, if you watch the movie, you'll see that it's plain as day, and it's not. So it's just so weird that he would say that, but he stands by that opinion. Like you well, know, he stands by the fact that he. <laughs> mm-hmm. The version that we watched, that I watched this on uh, on, on Shutter. Um, mm-hmm. I saw on the Wikipedia that I guess originally there was like twenty more minutes to the film. Is yeah. that the version that is on Wiki- on uh, on Shutter or no? Is that like a, yes. another version? That is no, okay. So that version. is the version we watched with the extra twenty minutes. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. That's the uncut version. Like that is the complete oh. version of Phenomena that you see on Shutter. Because uh, they don't then, cut no, that. I, they, they release all uncut versions. So then, okay, that's the one good thing about Shutter. See, I don't see anything yeah, to and, do with like the Nazis winning the war then. Like I was no, going to say, maybe that's nothing. In, in that uncut version. No, it's just because you have Frau Bruckner, <laughs> because she's German. Like, no, it's just, it doesn't make, it never made any sense to me. Um, but I wanted to bring that up just because I just thought he was insane for saying that. But again, like, it, it's not a movie that he considers his best, and it's not. Um, I mean, I do like the soundtrack. I do love Iron Maiden and Motorhead. So to have those in this movie is great. And we'll talk about how weird it is to have those songs, because it doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> um, so we open the movie. Beginning in the Swiss countryside, where a young Danish tourist, Vera Brandt, who is played by Fiore Argento, the other Argento daughter. Not Asia, but the one that they don't talk about, Fiore. She plays Vera Brandt in this scene where she misses her bus. And even though the bus takes a U-turn where it can clearly see her waving her arms frantically and screaming, it departs, <laughs> leaving Vera to seek help. So eventually she comes across a cottage, and we see a shot of chains on a wall being yanked at. As Vera enters the cottage, she announces she's a foreigner and lost, and that makes a lot of sense, because if I hear somebody entering my house and saying, I'm a foreigner and lost, I'm just going to say, okay, cool. Let's find out where you need to go. Uh, but instead, we see the chains yeah, breaking Yeah, instead of just the breaking into your house like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she searches through the cottage, and we see a chain wrap around her neck, but she manages to break free as she's attacked with hedge clippers and a pair of scissors that stabs her hand. So Vera flees from the cottage and runs as she's being chased by an unseen being. The being eventually catches up with her and begins stabbing her with a pair of those scissors before we see her head go crashing down through one of Dario's favorite kill set pieces, a pane of glass. That just for some reason... Argento money shot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for some reason this cave has a fucking window pane and we're going to see that. And then we soon see her head flying down into a rough body of water. <laughs> I love the fucking head just go flying just, down. Just, just the head. Just the head. Just the head. So, as Argento does. So we cut to a monkey coming home after a long night of having monkey business to do. And inside the house is forensic entomologist John McGregor who's speaking with two members of the Swiss police force who are fascinated by the fact that McGregor can use bugs to solve crimes, including that of the girls like Vera Brandt. And as we find out, McGregor's own assistant was a victim of the supposed killer. So the monkey from outside <gasps> comes in, and she's got a knife! <laughs> <laughs> no, but then he's going to sit there and take that knife away from her and try to cut a page five times with it and say, this is sharp and it'll hurt you. <laughs> Until he finally just rips the page. (laughs) Yeah. McGregor scolds her and tells Inga the monkey that the knife is sharp and not a toy. So Inga the monkey is McGregor's nurse, but also, as he's in a wheelchair, it's also his friend. And we also find out that it's been eight and a half months since Vera's murder. And once again, yes, we have Donald Pleasance, Dr. Loomis himself, playing McGregor, who's supposed to be Scottish, and half of the time he is, and half of the time he's English. Because you just never really get a good (laughs) sense, because... He's like, all right, don't go to go I'm McGregor, and I'm just going to be the entomologist. And he's always like, oh, Inga, what are you doing? Like, I was like, okay, so now he's just zoning in and out. Oh, he can't figure out. I can lose it. I'll be honest with you. I did not hear Scottish in his accent 
until like near the end of the movie, <laughs> and, or at yep. least near the end it's of so that light. character in the film. And I'm like, oh, that's right. He's supposed to be Scottish. <laughs> yeah, because he'll just throw the line and be like, oh, I'm Scottish. And then all of a sudden he's like, what are you doing over there? Like, like, okay, so he doesn't really know. <laughs> he's, just, he's just acting. <laughs> he's trying his best. He's probably drunk. Um, so we cut to That's Jennifer why they put Cordino. him in the wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She is the daughter of a famous American star, and she's visiting Europe for the first time. Now, as a piece of trivia real quick, Argento wanted to make Jennifer Corvino the daughter of Al Pacino and put it in the movie. Al Pacino reached out to Dario and said, don't you fucking do it because I don't have a daughter. And he'd say, okay, okay, okay. I will make her Jennifer Corvino. You know, I was like, okay. Actually, <laughs> you can do whatever you want. <laughs> but it gets, you know, uh, Pacino has that kind of pull. Um, so she's being sent to the Swiss Richard Wagner School for Girls, and she's being told about the school by Frau Bruckner. And as she's talking about the school to Jennifer, a bee finds itself attracted to her, but it causes Brooklyn to have a panic attack. Oh, a bee! Not the bees! And the driver, trying to kill the bee while driving, nearly crashes the car. But, of course, Jennifer says, don't kill it. I love insects. They're my friends, and it's going to be fine. And then all of a sudden, we're hit with a fucking male narrator out of fucking nowhere. I watched a porn <laughs> that actually had this entire sequence in it, except awesome. there was no bee. Instead, it was uh, a dick. Oh, what the fuck was the name? No, 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 no. It was. Uh, it's like a 1970s, 1980s aunt, uh, aunt Peg, aunt Peg and her young oh, niece. Mary Kay Parker. Up... No, uh, no, 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 no. It's uh, oh, not not that. She did that a lot. No, not that. Yes, I know she gets she gets listed as Aunt Peg. She's not. Aunt Peg was a different actress. I forget the uh, the actual actress's name right now. Um, but uh, but her character was Aunt Peg, and yeah, she like mm. picks up her niece from the fucking hotel or from the from the airport. Which at that point she starts like kind of like discussing with her about how like pretty she is and how big her boobs are and oh can I see them? Oh can I touch you here? The next thing you know they're like going at it hot and heavy in the back seat of the limo, and the fucking driver's busy like you know flicking her fucking bean and almost crashing. And, like, that's all I'm sitting there thinking of while I'm watching this. I'm like, man, I would so rather be watching that porn right now than this fucking sequence. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, a narrator comes out of nowhere, and he's like, oh, yeah, Jennifer's about to have one memorable night. And then he goes away, and you never hear from him again. <laughs> nope. The one line that he had, he was stoked to say it, he did. And then we see Jennifer meeting her roommate, Sophie. And we find out that Sophie hasn't eaten what was her choice? change. <laughs> Good movie. Um, but Sophie hasn't eaten due to the time change, but luckily Sophie has all sorts of baby food that she can eat in the meantime. And that's when Jennifer decides to eat one of those, and she's like, oh, it's terrible, but it's food. And that's when the headmistress comes in and takes away Jennifer's poster for her dad. And that never comes <laughs> up again. Like, why? Never again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So the headmistress comes in, takes away Jennifer's poster for her dad, tells Sophie to quit smoking, and Sophie tells her that she's over the moon about Paul Corvino, and she's he's so hot and so sexy. And Jennifer she tells her, that's on. my dad. <laughs> yep. like, oh, that's kind of my dad. Oh, are you sleeping with him? Are you sleeping <laughs> yeah. with Paul Corvino? Oh, that's my dad. Oh, so you are <laughs> yeah. fucking Paul Corvino. 
2022. It's not 2022. It's not 2022. It's not happening yet. I don't know, man. It is 1985. Oh, it's taboo and American taboo were two of the most popular fucking porns going around at the time. You're very much right. You know what? She could have been fucking her dad. (laughs) Also, it's weird that she has a poster of her dad and not an actual, like, framed picture. (laughs) I love you, daughter. Signed, your dad. <laughs> Character development. He lets her watch all of his films, you know, because her that, that's, is the only opinion that, he trusts. That's that's how Nick Cannon gives all his pictures to his kids. <laughs> to my kids, <laughs> <Yeah>. love dad. <laughs> press to press photos. fill in your name. <laughs> to fill in your name, love Nick Cannon. That's my dad. Oh, you have to fill in your own name? Yeah, he singer, know. You know? He's got like 15 kids. So um, so we cut to Sophie getting into bed, and Jennifer can't sleep, and she's like, do you mind if I watch TV with, like, my headphones on? Like, I can't sleep either. And she's like, that's fine. So Jennifer falls asleep. They both fall asleep. But now you have to fucking cue Iron Maiden's Flash of the Blade from fucking Power Slave album. I'm like, okay, it's good, <laughs> but what? it's weird. What? It's fucking good, but it's weird. Because all of a sudden, it doesn't work. And a girl's running through the fucking woods going, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I'm like, okay, it's kind of weird, but I, I'm going with it. <laughs> this was Argento's choice um, to, to have this happen. So as this is happening, we see that Jennifer is becoming a sleepwalker. We don't know if she's having an orgasm or a bad dream. It can be both in an Italian horror movie. She can be both coming and upset about what she's dreaming about. And she begins to sleepwalk. Aren't we all? And she watches the young girl from earlier run towards her in this abandoned house. Her face is covered in blood before being brutally stabbed to death by the killer. Knife blade right through the fucking mouth. Money shot. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, that's cool. You know, Argento really knows how to kill people. And anytime you see a black love hand, it's Dario. Like, he always has to be the killer in his movies. So whenever you see the killer setting up that blade on the pole, yeah, that's him. Um, so Jennifer watches this <laughs> and completely freaks out, but then she tries to run away from the scene, but she ends up falling through the old floor of the building, and that's what wakes her up. She snaps awake, has no idea where she is, the buildings are all glowing white, and that's when two Germans show up and fucking hit her, and they're like, oh, hey, sorry about that, oh, my bad, oh, do you want to get in the car, oh, sexy time. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Can we rape you, yeah? I mean, is this the part where we're supposed to believe the Nazis won the war? I mean, like, what? Yeah, where are these two fucking yahoos come from? Now, also, isn't one of those yahoos, what's her name, fucking boyfriend? Yes. Yeah, so okay, boyfriend. that's what I thought. So, so, yep. so while yep. what's her name is busy going on and on about fucking uh, about Jen's dad and how she wants to flick her bean about Jen's dad, there's never any drop line that like, oh hey, I have a boyfriend. Like, I feel like there's just stuff in this movie that just goes to show that Dario has problems making like regular movies. Yeah, he's, he's an artist. He doesn't know how to make regular movies for the normies. Like, yeah, I, you know, I appreciate it sometimes, and other times I'm like, this is just trash. So it's fine to admit it. Dario never will, but we can. Um, so <laughs> she manages to escape the Germans. <laughs> she manages to escape the Germans, rolls down a hill, and who is there to greet her but Inga the monkey? Come with me if you want to live. Like this fucking Terminator moment where she reaches out her hand. 
And he's like, okay, cool. I'll go wherever you want me to go. <laughs> Just she puts on sunglasses and starts walking away with Jennifer. I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> All of a sudden, Inga has sunglasses on, and she's slowly walking away with her. Um, but she takes her to McGregor, who checks her out, makes sure she's okay. And that's where they have a moment where they could bond over bugs, you know, because he's an entomologist. She's obsessed with bugs. She loves them. And he's like, oh, you know, by the way, my assistant disappeared. Like, she was supposed to come here one night and never did. Her jacket's upstairs. Do you want it? And she's like, uh, Okay. So, yeah, Inga will show you the way. So he presses the control so Inga knows where to go. But then when she gets upstairs, you see Jennifer disappear into a room, and all of a sudden she's like, huh, oh, 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 Inga. And I'm like, are they having sex? Because it's an Italian harm. Like, it, it could happen. Like, it was so weird. And McGregor's just like, has yep. got something to hide except for Jen and her mother. That's Inga for you. So... <laughs> The following day, Jennifer is given an EEG at the school because she sleepwalks, and no one does that, especially not at this school, young lady. And she's like, hey, I'm not really crazy. I've been tested by the best doctors ever. But they don't listen to her, and they administer the test anyway, which causes her to have flashbacks to the previous night's events. And later, Jennifer calls her father's lawyer, Mara Shapiro, to get a hold of her dad, but she's unsuccessful. Meanwhile, a few of the girls at the school have a rose for Jennifer. They're like, oh. Her dad's an actor. Who cares? She sucks. Look how dumb she looks. What a fucking loser. Oh, wait. Here she comes. Hi, Jennifer. Are you okay? Cool. She's like, were you guys just making fun of me? No way. (laughs) (laughs) These girls are insane at this school, the way they make fun of her. Um, So we cut to a class that the headmistress is having, and she picks Elizabeth to talk about a poet's work, but she just happens to be a huge Bee Gees fan. T-shirt and fucking everything. A very Gibb. And she's like, well, what do you think about it? She's like, I think it's Bee Gees lyrics. Oh, that Elizabeth. <laughs> it's such a random fucking thing. Um, so Jennifer Richard Gere. The back of the class. He's so dreamy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Richard Gere. He was never dreamy. <laughs> I guess with some people, you know, a niche audience. <clears throat> But so anyway, uh, Jennifer and Sophie talk, and Jennifer asks Sophie to watch over her while she sleeps. And if, you know, it happens, she'll have to wake her up. And after Jennifer helps her answer a question in the class, she agrees to stay up and watch Jennifer sleep. That night, though, Sophie stays up but decides to meet with a boy to play hide the Venus Nitzel. Yeah. Waiting for her. <laughs> so she pulls on the baggiest fucking sweatpants that she could find, and also Jennifer's sweater, leaving the television Easy program access. to tag a show. <laughs> yeah. so I, 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 the never mind, I never mind the sweatpants, man. Never mind the sweatpants. But there was the baggiest, but like, I was like, who is, like, that, like, that was like my size. That would be like Sophie putting on a pair of my fucking sweatpants. <laughs> like, they would be ridiculous. <laughs> but she pulls these things on, runs outside wearing Jennifer's sweater. Um, she leaves the program on a TV show where they're talking about the murders and about another girl disappeared. So Geiger is interviewed as well as McGregor. And then we see Sophie running out to meet her boyfriend as Jennifer starts to sleepwalk. Um, and after a quick makeup shesh, her boyfriend leaves her in the middle of the fucking night going, oh, i got to go because like, like, I'm leaving tomorrow because I'm in the military. And she's like, oh, you're just going to leave? He's like, yeah, like you're fine, right? You're fine. And she's like, like I, I guess. Not even like a... <laughs> 
Like, she doesn't even give her a quick finger bang, nothing, man. Like, come on, like, at least let her give you a handy, a fucking, like, a fucking blowy. Yeah, like, it's like, like something, man. <laughs> Either that or, he, like, yeah. you know, he had, he, had, he had some guys waiting for him back at the barracks he had to get to. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was so fucking That's like, I got to go. Can you give me a ride home? Nope, sorry, you gotta go. By the way, I tried to rape your friend earlier. She didn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Sophie is left alone as the killer shows up, and we see the shots of them putting together this very long spear with a knife on the end, uh, and that attacks Sophie and kills her. And then we cut to Simonetti's soundtrack that goes fucking hard. Like, this fucking soundtrack then sequence. Like, he's just hitting every fucking key, just bashing him over and over again. <laughs> As Jennifer walks outside and is led by a firefly to where she was murdered. So Jennifer finds a glove and some bushes, which is covered in maggots. She makes it back inside before it begins to rain, and then all of a sudden a young woman fucking screams her head off. And I was like, okay, all right, no, well, well, that's random. But we find out the next day Jennifer is running home to her dad, and that she was the one that screamed last night because of the maggot glove and visions of her dead friend. Also, oh, Ms. maggot told glove. The cops not to talk to anybody. <laughs> maggot glove. Come to maggot glove. Um, <laughs> the headmistress tells her not to talk to anybody because it's crazy. The maggot glove. So, <laughs> she later visits McGregor and shows him the glove. He'll have to investigate what species they are. And then all of a sudden, all the insects are going nuts for Jennifer. They must sense her mood, but as McGregor remarks, I'm like super sad and depressed all the fucking time, and they don't react this way. And that's when she explains <laughs> to him about the firefly leading her to the murder scene and finding the glove. This admission calms down the insects, and McGregor is like, yeah, that makes sense, but by the way, read my book, Communication Amongst Insects. I'll leave an autograph for you. Huh? How about that? How about that? And she's like, okay, fine. Just stop pushing the book in my face. I just love to have that book ready to go. Like, he was just waiting for somebody to walk in and talk about insects. Oh, really? You like insects too? Read my book. I've only sold three copies. It's pretty popular. <laughs> I've given away five copies. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they need. They actually only printed five copies, and you're lucky enough to have one. Consider yourself lucky. And she's like, um, he I'm has so the same happy. Way. I'm definitely going to read this book. He has, he has the same amount of copies as we do listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Not excluding family, which brings it down to like two. So, <laughs> Thank you, Mom. Uh, Jennifer, <laughs> my mom doesn't listen. She doesn't care about the show. So, Jennifer returns to the school where she's taunted by a few of the girls. <laughs> she overhears the headmistress talking to some girls. She wants them to look out for her, but they're creeped out by Jennifer. And one of the girls just happens to find the letter that she wrote to her dad where she talks about being able to communicate with insects. Jennifer runs in, interrupts them, and seizes the letter. The girls appear and taunt her ass big fucking time. And so she's like, oh, yeah, motherfuckers, have some flies. And a huge fucking <laughs> of flies cover the school. And they're all like, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is crazy. I love And that's you. when Jennifer passes out. I love <laughs> all of you. Like, (laughs) again, Uh, I'm good. Like, please, Jen, just stop. So so she passes out. It's tough. (laughs) She's not very good. I can even miss that. Um, But she passes out, and the headmistress puts her into bed and has her being watched by a nurse. But during the night, the nurse is like, I'm going to take a quick nap. 
and that's when Jennifer decides she's going to run to McGregor's house and figure out what the fuck is going on. And that's when McGregor shows her the maggots that were inside the glove, which are called sarcophagus flies, and they live exclusively off dead bodies. McGregor believes that the killer is a psycho and also possibly a necrophile and keeps the dead bodies close, which causes the maggots. He believes that they are to find the killer, she needs to take her sarcophagus fly with her and lead it to where the dead bodies are, including the first victim, Vera Brandt. Once it detects the bodies, it'll go crazy, and she must immediately return to McGregor. She agrees to this to avenge Sophie's death, and McGregor wants to avenge his assistant Rita's death also. So she's like, yeah, cool. I'll bring that fly. It's cool. Like, I'll bring them along, and we'll go on an adventure, because why not? Um, but what Going they don't mention, plan. what they didn't show, <laughs> is that uh, McGregor also, in a deleted scene that didn't make the final cut, he talked to uh, Inspector Geiger, and he told, her to, he told him to follow her while she goes on this quest. So that's why he all of a sudden just shows up out of fucking nowhere, like following oh. you know, Because it doesn't make any sense in the movie, but they actually did write it in the script that he was told by McGregor to follow her so that she wouldn't get killed. Um, so Jennifer boards the bus, and along the travels, the fly begins freaking out. She eventually finds her way to the cottage where Vera had been earlier. Is it on cocaine? And we see... <laughs> and no, that's not the bear. So we see that Geiger's following her, and watching her as she goes into this cottage and we see a man appear and accuses her of coming in there to steal. She claims she was looking for someone, but he tells her the place has been abandoned for eight months since the last tenants moved out. She manages to get away, but the fly stays because we see it has to go down to the floorboards and we get to see a bunch of maggots feasting on body parts underneath the floor. Nom, 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 and, nom. When, <laughs> and of course, that's when Geiger shows up to question the real estate agent. He's like, well, you want to buy a house? I'm the best at that. He's like, no. I just have a question about the people that lived here before. He's like, oh, fuck. Well, if we're not buying, I ain't talking. But, no, they end up talking anyway. So we have to have Geiger on his investigation into this situation. Um, So that night, we see Inga outside, and she's just hanging out, enjoying the stars, enjoying the breeze. And we see that she discovers a kite, and she's like, fuck that kite, bitch, and just tears the fucking shreds. And she's like, I ain't having none of that shit. And that's when McGregor's front door slams shut. And we have Inga desperately trying to find a way in, breaking wooden slats of a door as McGregor appears at the top of the stairs in his wheelchair and he hears the racket. He's like, what the fuck's going on? Like, did you walk yourself out, girl? Did you rock yourself out? Inga, get in here, Inga. Like, <laughs> I thought you were Scottish. He's like, He's not. you got <laughs> yourself out. You can get yourself in. He's like, give it a yeah. shit about it, too. It's a fucking chimpanzee, man. Yeah. So McGregor uses the lift at the top of the stairs to lower himself down to the first floor as the killer with the black glove shows up and stops the lift halfway down the stairs. So we see Inga in the background panicking and screeching for McGregor, hoping that he doesn't get killed by the killer. But then we see him reach for his little remote laser, and he's just flashing it in the fucking person's face. He goes, who are you? Why are you in my house? Who are you? <laughs> like, that's not a flashlight, man. Like, that's a little laser <laughs> pointer. You're not going to see the person's face. <laughs> You're not going to get there. But, of course, the killer uses the remote at the bottom of the stairs to bring him all the way down and stabs McGregor in the chest, killing him. And Inga will because have of... her revenge. And I love this sequence. Because... And the killer is driving away, and all of a sudden Inga appears on top of the car. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this fucking monkey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have driven off the road. <laughs> From the killer, I would have been crashed. 
because I would have been panicking if there's this monkey on the top of my car smashing into the windshield. But the killer Ouch. manages to get Inga off the it car. It reminded me of the old days at Great Adventure through the freaking uh, the, the safari, dude. <laughs> Back when they, they used to have when the monkeys broke free in the section. Yep. There was a, uh, keep a the bypass. Windows up. Rip your windshield Don't they up. tell you to keep the windows up and <laughs> yeah. if you had a rag top or a fucking vinyl top that you probably shouldn't drive through it because the fuckers will start peeling and fucking, you know, pulling into it and stuff. But, yeah, for the most part, they'd get on top of your car and they'd ride. Freaking the ghoul girl and her family used to come with food and they'd feed the fucking things. Um, you know, I'm surprised they never just kidnapped one. But, but yeah, they, uh, they unfortunately <laughs> did away with that. Now they... Uh, now they have like a gated area that they stay in and all that shit. I feel bad. I miss I miss the monkeys getting on the car and stuff. It used to be funny. But you know what? It did lead to a lot of times where you'd have like six or seven monkeys on somebody's car and then they wouldn't move. So like all the traffic would block up and the monkeys would cut in other areas and then you were just like trapped there for like ever it felt like you know especially as a kid when you're like I just want to go on the fucking rides already you know the fucking monkeys aren't leaving. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the mad monkey could do that. He could climb on top of your hood and just kind of smack it around a little bit if you want him to. I have, he could do I it. have done that to people's cars. <laughs> I told you, I was circumcised at a late at a late age. I don't have a hood anymore. So, monkey, you can't get on my hood. Oh, no. Not at 14. Not at 14. <laughs> yeah. and, um, that's a tra- oh, no. It's the, tra- it's the Triceratops exhibit. Oh my god Um, So yes McGregor is dead And then of course this is like one of the weirdest Fucking transitions because we cut to Locomotive by Motorhead Off the No Remorse album The weirdest fucking metal song to put into a scene Where you see a body being taken out of the house Into an ambulance I was like you know what if I die that's what I want to have happen like, I don't want it to be somber and like, oh, he's dead. Oh, my God. Andy's dead. No, I want to have fucking, you know, the fuck? Like, why is there fucking trash yeah. metal playing? Because, again, it doesn't work because it's not like it's a panicking scene. You know, people are running around trying to figure out what's going on. It's just a laid back, you know, hey, we're here. We're picking up the body. You know, everyone's moving at a casual pace. They're just there doing their job. It's. You know, it's not a panic situation. It does not call for metal in any way, shape, or form. I think, why is this move music so fast that people are so slow? <laughs> oh, I, I fucking loved it. Like, I, I couldn't oh, stop wait. laughing because I didn't remember it. But, yeah. You mean yes. the heavy metal during the dream sequences also made sense? I mean, like, you know, again, it just goes to show. <laughs> Dario doesn't, doesn't, like, like, these are things that were like, I look at this movie and I'm like, wow, with the right score, the right soundtrack, some of this stuff would be fucking phenomenal. But you're like yeah. jarred yep. completely out of these moments because <laughs> of the heavy metal. Yeah. yeah that's if he had, gotten, when I, if he had yeah. gotten Carpenter to do the score, it would have been a completely different movie. It would have been. Yeah. Like I said, I just, I hope that when I, I die, I don't, more along the you know, lines you know, of like yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street type, type of sounds, you know? I mean, the soundtrack did have Goblin on it for Phenomena. So, I mean, there was some Goblin tracks. I mean, including Dawn of the Dead, which was used when uh, Sophie was watching TV earlier. There is uh, Dawn of the Dead soundtrack playing uh, for whatever she's watching. But, yeah, I was like, dude, when I die and they find my body and they bring it to the ambulance, I want fucking that song playing and a bunch of fucking metalheads just show up and start headbanging. For no fucking nah, bro. Let's play the Benny Hill theme song when you go, man. 
just a bunch of fucking metal just headbanging. I mean, you can play the Benny Hill thing, too. You could drop me out of the ambulance. My body's dead anyway. So you could have them accidentally go, oh, whoops, <laughs> you know. Pick me my body back up. I mean, it's Big fine, booby chicks <laughs> Man, best death ever. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> yeah. um, so we see also Geiger is at a mental hospital, and he's talking to one of the people at the hospital, and they find out that there was a person on the medical staff 15 years earlier that was raped and, you know, attacked. So he's going on that lead. And Jennifer, meanwhile, was like, i got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> there are people dying, and I don't want to be next. You know, so she calls Shapiro, her father's attorney, and she's telling him, i got to go. Just, you know, forward me some money so I can buy a ticket to get out. And he's like, all right. I'd, God I'd damn it, Morris, do, do it now, you bossy little bitch. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would have fucking <laughs> left her ass. I, I was waiting for Morris to be in on the whole thing, man. Yeah, yeah. I got that vibe when I watched him. Like, maybe he is, but, you know, it's – he just didn't really feel like doing it. He's like, I'll just have uh, Frau Bruckner come and take her away. But then we also have a great scene of Inga walking around in the forest, and she finds a trash can. She's like, oh, look, there's some cool things I can eat. And then all of a sudden she finds a fucking switchblade, and she's like, hell yeah, motherfuckers. And they just fucking walks away with it. And I was like, yep, only in an Italian film can you watch a monkey wielding a fucking knife and just walking off into the distance. Because she has purpose now. She has a weapon. Yeah, those, 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 those straight razors. razors. They, yeah, I was going to say, those straight just, razors, yeah. man, they're, they're, they're everywhere. Fucking okay, so, Italian mobs, man. They're leaving their shit all over the park. She walked away with the blade. Touching the tip to make sure it's sharp enough. So, as I had said, Shapiro doesn't get her a ticket home, doesn't send her any money. Bruckner shows up and says, you know, we can do whatever you want, but I'm going to take you home. And then maybe in the morning, Shapiro will come and take you home. So let's just have a night. Fine. She relents, and when they get to Bruckner's home, Jennifer notices all the mirrors are covered up. And Bruckner explains that her son, Fatal, can't stand to see his own reflection. Totally normal. So while Bruckner prepares Jennifer some tea, she sees a shadow of a person and walks into a nearby room to investigate. And she seems to find a young boy sitting on the floor, which she accidentally knocks the toy train into. The boy falls over. Bruckner appears. And she's like, what the fuck is your problem, dude? Like, it's a doll. Look at this fucking thing. It's not a fucking kid. And she's like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> like, I'm, and then you're, you're kind of going all in, Bruckner. Shit. From here <laughs> on up, man, yeah. Okay. <laughs> fucking nutcase for the rest of the movie. <laughs> now take some yeah. fucking pills. <laughs> yeah. Because Bruckner's like, you know what? You're getting sick. I'm going to fetch you some pills to take. And she turns down the pills, and Bruckner demands that she takes them. She tells Bruckner that she doesn't take medicine. There's nothing wrong with her. And then she asks what kind of tablets they are, and Bruckner tells her that they'll stop her fever. But do no harm, and she's in charge of Jennifer. So this girl is going to have to fucking take these pills. Jennifer finally gets into the bathroom where she decides she's going to take these pills. And that's when she notices a ton of fucking maggots on fucking everything, on the floor, on the towels, ah. on the soap. <laughs> that's when we get McGregor becoming like a force fucking Jedi going, remember the fly, remember the fly, Jennifer, use the fly. Rondo fly. <laughs> yep. So she's like, oh, shit, that's right. So Jennifer has an immediate reaction to the pill that she took and throws them up. As she realizes it's poison, she gets out of the bathroom and goes to phone Shapiro. And that's what Brooklyn realizes that the pills are in the sink and Bruckner tries to stop her from calling by hitting her on the back of the head. 
I just love that Whoops. we get a fucking well. complete we get a complete tutorial on how to be bulimic. You know, so that's uh, quite something. So as, and that's as one to grow on, kids, because this is the eighties. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so she's not knocked out; like she's just hit on the back of the head. She falls to the floor, and she sees Geiger approaching, and she begins screaming for help, but she's gagged by Bruckner. And that's when Geiger shows up at the front door, and he's like, "I just have some questions for you, like you know, kind of like where you were and everything like that. Like, were you at this hospital?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, totally. Fifteen years ago, I got raped." And he's like, "Oh, cool." Uh, so he goes into the house, and then you hear him start to scream. And it's like, okay, well, you're probably going to find out what happened to the Geiger. Um, so Jennifer wakes up, and she uses a pole, attempting to reach a phone in the next room. She isn't able to grab it and ends up knocking it down at the hole in the floor, as you do. So now she has to figure out a way to get into the floor. Meanwhile, Shapiro shows up, and he's getting his rental car. So we see that he's in town. He's going to come get her. And back at the house from hell, Jennifer climbs down into the hole where the phone had dropped, and she begins finding where it led, which is into an underground dungeon. And that's when she's quickly grabbed by Geiger, who is mutilated and chained to a wall. And this causes her, like anybody would do, to scream, but instead she backpedals and falls into a pool filled with maggots and dead bodies, as you do. Oh, and I have that. Yeah. This was the scene. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I am with you. Really good. There are some things that can only get first, I mean, listen, the one thing that this scene does remind me of is Poltergeist. Um, there are a number yeah, yeah, of things throughout yeah. this movie that do remind me of other popular horror films that, that were, you know, either coming out around this time or prior to. Um, but, yeah, this, this automatically is like Poltergeist, except even fucking grosser, because, you know what, that's just <laughs> rainwater and, like, nastiness. Standing water, like, yeah. Human goop in a fucking yep. yeah, uh, uh, like ah. go underwater, and I'm like, oh, you know, she's taking the shit in her mouth. Oh, 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 oh yeah, so in her stomach yeah. now. Yeah, uh, and, and then when she, and then when she came up, it, they were all in her hair and shit like that too. And I was yeah. just like, oh, ah, oh, fuck that, nope. <laughs> So as she's struggling in the pool, Bruckner shows up, and she's like, ha, 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 you're stuck in that pool, you little bitch. I got you, you stupid loser. And Geiger breaks his wrists to get out of his restraints, and then just begins to fucking pummel Bruckner, and then he starts to strangle her. I don't know how he did it, with broken wrists. He karate chops his thumb to break so that he can fold it. Like, I mean, I was, the way he does it, I was expecting an Austin Powers-esque, like, judo chop to be, like, announced while doing it, you know? Judo chop. But he manages to get out of the restraints. He punches the fuck out of Bruckner and then starts strangling her. So Jennifer's like, oh, shit, I'm free. I can go now. But as she escapes the room, she discovers a young boy standing in the corner of another room. And she knows this is Patel, Bruckner's son. And he's not so pleasant to look at. <laughs> his face is all <laughs> fucked up. And he's got these weird claws and he's got these weird teeth and eyes. It was actually played by a little person, not a child. Yes. So they got a little person stuntman to play the character of Patel. Um, so as she screams, Jennifer runs outside on a motorboat where she's attacked by Bruckner's son. Motorboat? Spear knife. <laughs> 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 so 
the spear pierces a can of gasoline that's on board of the motorboat. Jennifer summons a swarm of flies, which begin to eat the cow's face, causing him to fall into the water. And she's like, you know what? It's going to be fine. He's in the water. He's probably going to drown because he's a kid. Kids can't swim. So she decides to start the boat's engine, but, oh, surprise, it catches fire. So now she has to jump out of the motorboat and go into the water before it explodes. And as she swims away under the water, the fucked-up face of Patel shows up and attempts to grab at her. But she manages to get away, swimming underneath the fire. And as Patel comes up, all of a sudden he's like, oh, no, I'm going to go for the flames. And Patel is dead. Uh, <laughs> for some uh, reason, he just uh, went pain in the Inferno <laughs> match. He's like, I'm going to walk into the flames. <laughs> you know? And that's exactly what he does. So Patel is dead, and then... We see Shapiro pulling up to the scene at the top of the hill, and Jennifer's like, oh, my God, Morris, you're here. This is so great. You won't believe what happens. Uh, the reunion's short-lived because Brooker shows up and cuts his fucking head off with a piece of sheet metal. I was like, this still goes. Dario, you got fuck. me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, man, out of fucking nowhere. And it's like just, you know, random, like, fucking street sign or some shit. And, again, you know. Uh, like zombie rules, you know, human bodies have no tension or strength or anything. Chop straight off and it just rolls down the fucking hill. <laughs> just a piece yeah, of like, sheet metal. Like, yeah. yeah, there's there's zero resistance. It pops right off. But again, like, here we yeah. go. Cause like, when, when this character gets, like, shown arriving and he gets in the car we, and you see that he seems like he's perturbed about what's going on, you know, my boy puts a, like, you see he's got a gun. So, like, you're expecting these things to come up again. Like, this is what you do in a film. You know, I mean, it's literally (laughs) Morris's gun. It's Chekhov's gun. Like I said, I expected him to be, like, in on it. And, like, you know, you were going to see him pull the gun on, on Jennifer and be like, God damn it, I wanted all your father's money to myself and, you know, all, all these there different we go. things. But, but, but no, you know, like, ultimately he just gets his fucking head cut off and, and you get a fucked up version of whatever the fucking name was, uh, Inga or Bunga or, or whatever. Inga. Frau. Yeah. No, but yeah. Inga. And in a, in a Italian Inga, harmony, the, the, the especially monkey. one like this. Ingo was the monkey. Bruckner was the, the woman, uh, played by Daria Nicolotti. Um, but, yeah, in an Italian horror movie, those twists do happen. Where all of a sudden at the end of the movie, you're like, who the fuck is this guy? And he's like, oh, I'm going to take all your shit. Like, what, what the hell? Like, we don't even know who you are. <laughs> you know, but in this movie, they could have done it, but Dario decides to just fucking kill the guy with a decapitation. So he's like, I got one more in you guys. I got, I got oh, one more I, violent I, kill I in you. I appreciated the yeah. surprise. I just feel like, okay, if that's the, way, the route you were going to go, then at least Jennifer should have used the gun to kill fucking Bruckner. No. Instead, yeah. you know, she's immediately knocked down by Bruckner, who's covered in blood and just completely pen more Voorhees at this moment. And he's like, you killed my son. I will avenge him. And just putting that sheet metal up against her neck, and you see the blood coming out of Jennifer's neck. I appreciated that, you know, because you can see it's digging in a little bit. Um, but as she's screaming for Jennifer to call her precious insects, all of a sudden she pitches forward, and we see Inga standing there with the fucking blade. And she's like, ha-ha, bitch, and then just goes to town on Bruckner's face, dragging that knife <laughs> over her mouth, on her cheek, on her forehead. And she's like, well, I guess I killed her, you know. Even though you can clearly see it's just being dragged gently across the face. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it keeps um, making new, new, new clean marks in the fake blood that's on her face instead of. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, listen, man. Yeah. You know, this it's a fucking monkey, and I feel bad that the chimp has to even do this in the first place. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's well, these okay. kind of things, though. When you when you think about it, right? You know, like this is a chimpanzee, right? It's a trained chimp that's been trained yep. to work in a movie to kill a human being. And you know, like well, okay, yeah, but this this monkey though, I mean, this chimp was not was a dick. well-trained chimp. This nope, this chimp ran off several times, and then yep. during one scene, actually bit off the tip of Jennifer Connelly's finger, and they had to uh-huh. take the finger. Jennifer Connelly, they had to take Jennifer Connelly and the tip of the finger, like you know, fucking four rooms, and rush her to the hospital and. Reattach your finger. So this monkey yes. was a fucking. She, she was a bitch. <laughs> it was Dario's fault. She, it was Dario's fault that that happened, because the monkey wouldn't turn around for a particular sequence. It just couldn't. Didn't want to face the camera. So Dario told Jennifer to to touch the monkey on its back so that it'll turn around. So when she did that, the monkey's like, "Fucking get off me!" And then bit off the tip of her finger. So <laughs> Dario is to blame for that. Uh, but it's just, yeah, this monkey was, was not very well trained. So in the scene, as we go the closing of the movie, uh, Inga that walks over to Jennifer and consoles her, that's not the same Inga that we saw earlier in the movie. That's a completely different monkey. Like, they had to find another monkey for that shot because yeah. it hated Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> it did not like her whatsoever. I was like, I am having none of this. So they had well, to bring in another it, fucking chink. It felt the same way about her performance as some of us did. so yeah so Inga tosses away the blade goes to confront Jennifer as they attempt to figure out an alibi for everything that just happened because it's a wild story (laughs) well see what happened was we had a doozy of a night anyway this woman went crazy cut off my dad's attorney's head tried to kill me tried to kill Geiger and then the monkey came in with a fucking blade and was like ha ha and stabbed her Uh, so here we are Okay. Oh, and ig- ig- ignore the floating ig- ignore the floating dead kid in the lake. <laughs> he has nothing yeah, to no, do with any of it. <laughs> yeah, he wandered in that lake by himself. He did that thing to himself. Like he wanted to kill himself because he's all fucked up. That happened, but we're not going to talk about that. Let's talk about you guys. How you guys having a good night? Like I'm not, but like, are you? Like, mean, what, what's up with Switzerland? It's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> you know. Um, so that is phenomena. From 85, Dario Argento. Again, like I had said, it's, it's not his best, but it's a fun movie, um, especially if you want to see him experiment with heavy metal music for no fucking apparent reason. Um, it's just he <laughs> had no idea what to fucking do. Like, all right, so McGregor, he's dead. You know, people loved him. We're going to have his body being taken out. You want it to be, like, somber and, like, you know, wow, he's dead. No, I want fucking motorhead. Okay, well, that's not – okay, that doesn't work. But really, he's like, yes, but the motorhead, motorhead, yeah, uh, metal, right? It doesn't nightmare, matter. No. Nightmarish dream sequences in which you're walking through, <laughs> you know, lit and endless tunnels. You should have a serial music play. <laughs> no. Yes. Would you would you like some soft music in here? Like, cause Claudio, he could do some soft music. It's got to be like dreamlike, right? No, I want the Iron Maiden. Yes, yes. Metal. I love the Iron Maiden. 
It's going to be great. People are going to be like, oh, man, I'm a fan of Iron Maiden now. Thank you, Dario. Please come out. Chris Pratt. Oh, did you see that second show? Wow. Yeah. It's still, it's a beautiful looking movie, but man, I, 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 man, I can't wait to see this fucking movie. It's just, it's, yeah. Chris Pratt is Super Mario. It doesn't really work. Um, but with that being said, uh, that is the end of our episode. Next week, Ghoul, the pick is yours. Uh, what are you going with? What are you talking about next week? It is indeed my pick. And you know what, man? The holiday season. You're going to pull a pick out your first, ass? This is going to be the first, <laughs> first episode of December. And as such, Woo-hoo! I know, I know somewhere the monkey or, or, or the dean or even you, King, probably have some kind of outlandish, crazy, zany, Christmas-based horror film in store for us, whether it's a, a demonic Santa or, or Krampus mm-hmm. or, or something of that nature. For me, I'm more about the depth. I am more about bringing mm-hmm. the Antichrist back to Christmas. Um, so we are Anti- going to go Anti-Christmas? With, we're going to go with the very first The original Omen Yeah. Oh shit Woo! Yes Oh man That's going to be fucking nice From 76 mm-hmm. Richard Dines The Omen I, yes, I am very excited I am very excited Ghoul Because this will be my very first time seeing this movie Oh, oh, I just, oh. God, I'm not even gonna lie. Oh, shit. <laughs> that, oh, that makes it even fucking better. Oh man, that makes it even fucking better, man. <laughs> You're in for something, man. Like, yeah. but I'm sure you've seen clips and shit like that, right? Like, I mean, you know, like the the, the scenes that everybody talks about. Uh, I'm sure. So, uh, no, I only know the premise and the kid. You know, that's all oh, I know, dude. Oh. Man, I can't wait. All right, say no more. We're going to talk about it next week, <laughs> The Omen from 76. And, and by the way, uh, Ghoul, I do not have a christmas theme pick for December. Uh, it's Neither actually do quite I. the opposite. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, there, are no, there are no killer Santas on my list, no more demonic elves. Uh, actually, it's quite the fucking opposite. I just wanted to pick a movie that I like, so that's what I'm going with. Uh, because we are going into December next week with the – the ghoul's first pick, which I call the December to dismember. So that's what we're going with uh, for our December thing. A little old school ECW there. <laughs> Goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Monkey, thank you so much for your pick of Phenomena tonight, and we'll see you back here next week for The Omen. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone, and letting me come in your ear, and I promise not to nibble off any joints off unless you ask me to. Good night, everybody. <laughs> no, no, Always have a safety word. Freckens, she's freckens, she's out. The fucking thing. I don't know what to say. Freckens. Freckens in my bunghole. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much, Ghoul, for joining us for this episode. And I can't wait to discuss your pick next week of the Omen. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it. I can't wait to come in your ear. I was like, no. I can't wait. I'll do it. Uh, That'll cost you hard pass. Thanks. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared, because I know I fucking am now. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
you want it, you want it, you want it. It's going to cost extra. No, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want the King special. He doesn't want to get oh, Don't fuck with my ears. Like, don't fuck with my feet, man. He, he'll take hair over in his hair. <laughs> no, it's larva. And my hair. Don't touch my hair. <laughs> and as always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Angie G. Thanking you so much for listening to this episode. As I always say, hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Odorous. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. But next week, we're going to hail Satan, and we're going to hail Damien. So hail Damien, the Antichrist 666, as we kick off a December to this member. And we'll see you back here next week. Good night, everybody.